Please do not message or call, as the following programme is a rerun of a previous live show. Any announcements made during the repeat may now not be applicable. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Inspire FM. My name is Esther Lassahinde of Liberty Law Solicitors, and I'll be presenting the Ask Your Lawyer segment tonight. Um, I think this is the first time we've had a female presenter, so it's been a long time coming. And lucky enough, I have a full panel of females. So without further ado, we have on mic three, Juma Begum. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Juma Begum. I work with Wolf & Co Solicitors. I'm a solicitor. Okay, and Tyra on mic four. Hi, I'm Tyra Iqbal. I'm currently gaining work experience with Liberty Law Solicitors. And last but not least, Laura. I work for Liberty Law Solicitors and I'm a caseworker and a police station representative. Perfect. Thank you guys for having, um, for coming. Um, so our first, our topic of today is going to be hurdles into law and a female's perspective on careers in law. So obviously we're having a full panel of females who's best asked but you guys so the first question is what made you get into law because we know it's a male domina- dominated field but we are out there um, I wanted to get into law because I just felt like I wanted to help people but there's so many other ways that you know you can help people in this community and all over in the UK so what was your reasons as to why you wanted to enter into the career of law? Juma? Initially, when I wanted to get into, I was working part time um, at college. Um, as part of my A levels, I studied sociology, law, as well as accounting. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't actually getting into law initially. Yeah, I started going down the accounting route. So when I was um, at college, I started with my A levels accounting, mm-hmm. and I started gaining work experience in accounting um, at a call centre that I worked at as a uh, payroll assistant. Okay. And then I also studied for the level two AAT in accounting. But what I realised was I got very bored soon mm. of, <laughs> of the um, work that I was doing. So then when it came to choosing um, what to study at uni, mm-hmm. I was I did the AS level in law and that were, was very interesting for me. And yeah. the subjects that we studied and criminal law in particular was quite interesting studying it. Mm. So when I was looking at my options as to what to study um, at uni, I thought I'll go ahead and study law, mm-hmm. but I didn't think I'll get this far. Ah, okay. And Tyra, how about you? Because I know you've just graduated. So I think you're the one of the, I wouldn't say least experienced, but you're just starting out in your kind of law career. So how was that for you? What made you want to get into law? Um, yeah, so I just graduated. I had my graduation ceremony this January. Okay. And I've always had an interest in law mm-hmm. because I want to make a beneficial difference mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. And I believe that studying law and practicing law is one of the best ways to serve our community serve society we can make a real constructive change um, through law Mm -hmm. so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to pursue a legal career and um, yeah I I did law for A levels Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. so I wanted to take things further do it for my degree Mm -hmm. and again really enjoyed it so um, now I'm just working towards building upon my legal career okay and last but not least Laura how is it for you um, I suppose I've always wanted to get into law, really. Mm. It's the first career I can ever remember putting down when I was little, saying, oh, yeah, yeah I want to be a barrister. And I've just stuck with it ever since, mm-hmm. really. Obviously, I haven't made it to becoming a barrister. Yeah. But I've got into the legal profession. Mm-hmm. And, 
yeah that's, that's, that's enough that's okay enough. i'd say the same do you feel like any you had any other outside influences because i know sometimes maybe parents or family or even maybe like a career day was it did you have any outside influence or was it just something you guys decided that it's my decision i'm going to pursue it for myself it was basically my decision Your i'm going decision. to pursue it yeah. um, my family are were quite open to what i want to study mm-hmm. um as long as we enjoy what we're doing because mm-hmm. i believe you become better uh, at what you choose enjoy. to do if you yeah. enjoy it yeah. um so i didn't really have much family pressure mm-hmm. um i did when i was working part-time i had a lot of um students around me that were studying law and they enjoyed it as well and they were at uni- university stage okay so it actually made me feel like yeah it would be the right thing to get into and when i got into studying the degree i literally had my head down and i enjoyed the whole degree okay. and then i decided i'm going to carry on with the legal practice course mm-hmm. and um gain my work experience yeah. and um try and obtain a training contract to become a solicitor okay and uh, Laura or Tyra, is there any other, did you feel like there was any outside pressures from people to study law? Was it just solely your decision? Um, I don't think I was under any pressure mm-hmm. to study law. Mm-hmm. My family are very supportive, yeah. so um, they'd be happy with me studying what whatever subject I, I'd like to get into and mm-hmm. study and take things further. Um, so I wouldn't say that there was a pressure, but I would say that my elder sister, she studied law mm-hmm. at university, so I think that that did influence me because it... Um, I think that was the first time that I came across law mm-hmm. as a subject mm-hmm. and um, it sparked my interest in it. And I also, I'm quite passionate about reading. I love reading mm-hmm. and um, I'm really into reading crime thriller novels as well. So okay. I think that that definitely played a part into mm-hmm. why I'm pursuing a legal career. Okay, and Laura? I don't know really. I suppose my brother's a solicitor and I watched him train and okay. go through it all and watching him do it, I thought, oh, that's, that, they're all things that I could enjoy doing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when I went to uni and I'd done my degree, like I enjoyed all of the subjects that I'd done yeah. and apart from EU law, that was a bit draining. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I personally didn't have, I think, any pressures. I think with my... Um, background I was pressured to maybe be in the corporate field so I felt like I did have to um, enter a certain field um, so I decided to go with law Um, but did you feel like your gender specifically um, had any impact you feel like you faced any backlash because the way I looked at it is I knew it was a male dominated field and I was thinking well I want to change that so that's why I pursued even with the modules that we know (laughs) we didn't all want to study that's why you know we're here today so do you feel like you were either held back or you felt like you should hold back due to your gender well, not in this day and age. Mm. I mean, uh, especially if you want to go into a career, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't feel like you're held back just because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. And especially at like a university or college stage, you don't really see any kind of discri- well. You don't. I didn't in my day. You don't yeah. see any discrimination. Mm-hmm. So all subjects were open to us. There was a mixture of people doing every subject at AS and A level. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there was any like stereotypical um, stuff carrying on there. Yeah. Okay, Tyra. Um, personally, I don't think that I faced any discrimination based on my gender. Mm-hmm. Um, saying that, though, I do think that there is gender bias against women yeah. in the legal profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my own experience thus far, I haven't actually experienced any gender bias. Yeah. And lastly, Kuma? I haven't faced anything based um, on the fact mm-hmm. that I'm a woman as of yet. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the main... Um, the main thing is to get your experience yeah. and 
as long as the potential employer sees that you're hard working, mm. um, I don't think they they're that concerned whether you're a woman. Mm. Um, that's what I've um, experienced myself. I've worked hard, and um, that was recognised mm-hmm. by um, the employer that I did my training contract with. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as before that, I also had legal experience, which helps a lot. Yeah. So if you don't have legal experience, then even to get any sort of any job in the legal field is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was at uni, a lot of our um, tutors told us to try and go and get voluntary work experience yeah. and start from the second year of uni. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see a lot of people, they don't do that and mm-hmm. they finish the degree and then they want to Hopeless, gain that experience. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not possible because they can't manage um uni mm-hmm. with doing part-time work or there's so many reasons you might have not had the opportunity mm-hmm. but i think i would say try and get the work experience within the second year of uni even mm-hmm. if it's like one day a week or half a day of week uh, half a day a week mm-hmm. there are small law firms that are looking and are more than happy to keep on volunteers yeah. i started off doing that i worked at um i did one day a week work experience mm-hmm. at a local firm for 10 months started doing full-time as well there for three months until I went into a full-time job which wasn't a law firm but Mm. it was a a legal job Um, at the time that was more important for me because to fund the LPC Mm -hmm. I needed a a better paid position (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, moving on um, I might backtrack a bit so what stage are you at now so I'm a paralegal Um, I do criminal and I do employment and civil um, I do plan to do my LPC. So there are many stages um, into obviously entering the legal profession and there's so many fields. It's not always necessarily working in a law firm. Um, so the way I started is I did my A-levels and I had I went to university and I did undergrad and I had a qualifying law degree. And then once I graduated and following what Juma said, I didn't do that experience. <laughs> I think on my final year in April um, and I was graduating in May so I was cutting it quite fine luckily I was able to get about three days yeah. in a law firm um, but it it is really good, a good advice for you to try your best in second year even if it's just one day a week or even if it's just volunteering so I did my um, I went to my local citizens advice um, and I did work experience there for about I mean sorry I volunteered for about eight months and then through that, I was able to um, apply for a job and it was actually on a work experience basis. But lucky enough, I got into that. So I'll start with you, Tyra. How did you get to this position? So I know you said you graduated this year. Um, did you have a, Did you set out to do law or did you just wanted to see how it went? Yeah, so I did set out to do law. What I didn't know, though, was that there is a qualifying law degree and there's a non-qualifying law degree. Mm -hmm. So the difference being that if you have a qualifying law degree, you can then proceed to doing the LPC. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a non-qualifying law degree, you would need to do what's known as the GDL before you can do the LPC. Um, The difference is that there are seven core subjects, seven foundation subjects that you would have to have studied in your degree Mm -hmm. to to then qualify or have a qualifying law degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So some universities may not have qualifying law degrees, others do, but you just need to make sure you you obviously you're aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me personally, my law degree is not a qualifying law degree, which means that I would need to do the GDL first before I can proceed to doing the LPC. Okay. And um, 
that is not something that I am willing to do because <laughs> <laughs> I, I've um, done six done of everything the, else. Yeah, yeah I've so. done six of the seven. Mm-hmm. So in for my own, you know, mm-hmm. from my own perspective, it doesn't make sense for me to do the GDL mm-hmm. and um, redo every single subject when it's only really one that yeah. I, I have to cover. Okay. So. Um, what I'm doing is I'm waiting for the SQE, which is the um, Solicitor's Qualifying Examination. Okay. Yeah, and that's due to come out in 2021. Yeah, I've heard, I've, I mean, we've had talks about that for quite a while. Mm. I graduated in 2016, and I think Laura, before the show, was telling me that they've been... <laughs> yeah, they've talk- been talking about this exam since then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally just got recently pushed back. It was supposed to be 2020, but I think yeah. it's 2021 before now. Before that, it was meant to be 2018. <laughs> okay, so you can yeah. see that it's not something that's um, obviously solidified. Hopefully more information does come out. Um, but funding is going to be, a, I think, much more cheaper than the LPC, I believe. Um, it is. Okay. Um, it is, but also for the SQE at the moment, there are no funds that you can get from in the government or mm. help, so you will have to self-fund it. Okay. So for those people that come from, you know, low-income backgrounds mm. or less wealthier backgrounds, it may be a disadvantage for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not be able to pay out straight away. I think yeah. at the moment, the estimated costs for it are around £4,500 okay. um, for the exam. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, you've done the LPC. So yeah. how was that for you, like funding and also just leading up to it? Was it something that you definitely wanted to jump into? Because when I graduated, I was saying to myself, I'm going to get my degree and go straight to do my LPC. But when I, once I saw my grade, <laughs> I was saying, hmm, maybe let's think about this. It's a lot of money for something that I might not actually end up wanting to do. So how was that for you? Um, for me, I decided the LPC I studied at Hertfordshire University. Okay. So um, I did my law degree there, I got a first class degree. Oh. And then thereafter, at the time, Hertfordshire University were offering uh, the legal practice course as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just over £10,000. I believe it's about £15,000 mm. at College of Law and mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the University uh, University of Law as well. Um, it's at BPP. Mm-hmm. So it's roughly about 15000 So for me, I, I come from a background where um, I my mum was a single parent mm-hmm. so it was quite difficult for me however I started working whilst I was doing my degree I was working like f- three to four days a week mm-hmm. um, and then in my so my second year yeah on my third year of uni I got myself a position so I didn't really want to take a loan out yeah um, and then being even more debt mm-hmm. so I started saving up from second year of university with um, half my student loans because I was living at home I didn't have to pay um, rent or living out costs so I started saving half of that up and then I was working as well so I was, I was trying to like save half my wages as well to mm-hmm. fund the legal practice course mm-hmm. um so whilst i was studying i started the legal practice course uh in sept- october mm-hmm. and then in january um i had the second installment ready and that was because i started saving from my second year so it does take a long time yeah <laughs> um, and i think um it's difficult for um people that come from less wealthier backgrounds mm-hmm. to be able to fund that and especially if you don't have like um anyone like from your family that can financially support you yeah but i mean for tyra 
she's got a bit of uh, she's got about three is it three years now until you yes. probably start the SQE. SQE. So time she's to got <laughs> she's got time to save. She's got time yeah. to save. So yeah. I have spoken to Tyra about <laughs> how she could um, try and get gain as much legal experience mm-hmm. as she can now and maybe get a full time job Definitely. and also explore what her likes and dislikes are. She's been lucky enough to to get work experience. So um, maybe explore what areas of law she likes because mm-hmm. she's got that chance now um, and then see um, where what she wants to qualify in and I've told her about um, the immigration aspect like if she wants to start um, getting in doing casework there's she can do the uh, level two immigration accreditation so as long as she's working in a law firm Mm -hmm. with her um, law degree she can go and um, do that extra course and it makes her more um, employable as well by the time she does her Mm -hmm. um, SQE and gets onto her training contract as she'll have the skills that not many people would have Um, and that you can do in other areas of law as well that's one area because I've looked into and I've done um, I've just recently done my level two as well mm-hmm. um, so that is something that's available for her is that something she can do before starting like before yes okay yeah okay. as long as she's got a law degree and she's working um, at, in a law firm mm-hmm. she can do that okay um, and Laura I just want to ask you about your route because I know you're a police station rep so how did you get to that stage just even from a levels up well, to now I didn't I didn't do it conventionally. I didn't do my A-levels. I was doing my AS-levels and then okay. due to personal circumstances, mm-hmm. I dropped out. Okay. And I enrolled myself on an access course, which i done for a year, and mm-hmm. then I got accepted to do law at uni. Okay. And then after uni, I suppose, I, I couldn't afford to do the LPC. Yeah. Um, it's hard to uh, support yourself mm-hmm. and study at the same time. For sure. So I was fortunate enough to do a couple of months work experience at a local law firm before I got employed where I am now. Mm-hmm. And then I've just been doing the accreditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm halfway through that now. Yeah. Uh, so fingers crossed in a couple of months time, I'll be fully accredited. Okay, perfect. Going from what Laura said, mm. I didn't complete my A-levels as well. Um, when I started it, <laughs> oh, but okay. I didn't complete it okay. due to personal circumstances. So when I was looking to get into uni, it was quite difficult because I didn't have my UCAS points. Oh. So then I had to do like an extra year, but at Hertfordshire University, it's called a modular extended degree. Mm -hmm. So you do eight modules that are equivalent to the A-level. And then you can go on to the um, subject that you want to study. So you're automatically enrolled onto that. So I did that. And then, um, yeah, that's how I also (laughs) (laughs) got into law. Okay. And did you get any um, external help, so like from your university? So at mine, I went to Oxford Brooks and we had um, the the Law Society. We also had um, the careers team. Do you feel like universities do enough to help um, law students or do you think it's on the student themselves to kind of go out and search for that opportunity? I suppose they do offer help. It just depends mm. how active you are for yeah, looking for it. Exactly. I mean, I know all of these things were offered by Bedfordshire Uni. Mm-hmm. It's just something I didn't feel I would benefit <laughs> from, but I know that there were other students who yeah. used them, those facilities. Okay. And I know Juma briefly mentioned about um, work experience. I think in this field, it's so crucial um, to get your work experience and any sort of experience because... One thing they stressed, I'm not sure if it's the same for you girls here, but they said, oh, you have to have a first or you have to have a two on at least. And anything less, you might as well just give up. So I think <laughs> that was, in a positive way, it you know made you want to 
study <laughs> and make sure you get it but i think um I mean, if you're doing your degree, you should aim to get the boss, best possible yeah. grade you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you're paying for the course. Yeah. And especially when I was doing it, it was £3,000. Now it's, uh, is it 8000 no, or 9250 actually. <laughs> okay, it's £9,000. You don't want to really come out of uni with a 2-2 mm. or a third class. You should try and aim <laughs> for the best. best. Not everyone can get a 2-1 mm-hmm. or a first class. It doesn't mean that they're not going to get an opportunity within um, the legal field. I actually know a lot of people that have got two two degrees, mm-hmm. uh, two two for their degrees, and they're in employment. Whereas yeah. there's a lot of students out there that got a two one or a first class, mm-hmm. and they're not in. Uh, they haven't got a, a job, so I don't think it necessarily matters what um, grade you get mm-hmm. at the what, when you do your degree. However, you should aim to get the best possible yeah. mm-hmm. as you're paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> And Tyra, how about, did you have any support from your university regarding getting into the law career? Was it something that you felt you had to pursue yourself? Um, the, we do have a career service, careers mm-hmm. team, and there was also the Law Society as well. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like unless you're actively going to these places, using their services, you won't really get mm-hmm. that help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it all just depends on you, really. Mm-hmm. If you're seeking the help and you, you speak to the people that are involved in these societies and the careers team, you will get some help. But if you don't, then yeah. <laughs> you won't. Yeah. To be fair, Beverage University, the year after I graduated, they started doing this scheme where they brought graduates back in for paid employment. Oh, okay. And so I was lucky enough to work at um, Beverage University for a month. Okay. Um, I worked in their governance and planning. I wasn't lucky enough to get the spot in the legal team, mm-hmm. but I worked very closely with them and I was paid for the experience, which was really good. That's good. And it looked very good on my CV. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think moving on about CVs, I think that's one thing that... Because that's the first thing an employer is going to see about your profile. So they're going to see your CV, the experience you have, the grade you have. So it's really important for um, anyone aspiring, both male and female, if you want to get into the legal profession, um, work experience is the best. So also um, I'm going to talk about networking and um, just maybe online portals. So for instance, when I graduated, I was so eager to have a legal paid job. I was searching everywhere. Was it the same for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I think yes, everyone definitely. does that. <laughs> <laughs> I think people get into a panic, like, okay, I've graduated now and I don't know what I'm doing next. So I think it's always good to have a plan. I mean, I did have a plan. It kind of took a detour because I was planned to do my LPC as soon as I graduated. Mm. But I decided, let me try and get more work experience. So when I do finally do my LPC, I'll be more equipped. So there's so many online. I mean, there's the Law Gazette, there's the Law Society, um, and there's also even the Law Society in your own uh, university so have you guys been to any networking events um, even before um, graduating or even after graduating or was it just purely work experience that you done for myself it was purely work experience mm-hmm. because um, in my third year of university as well I was mm-hmm. I was doing continuous um, I made sure I had a voluntary um, legal um, experience g- going on for myself however I did attend um, careers fairs at oh, university yeah. Yeah. where employers come um, and I, I attended a, quite a few of them 
as well as just making sure I've got the experience ongoing. Um, my aim was to try um, gain as much experience as I can. And if I can, then try and stay with the firm that I'm at mm-hmm. as I enjoyed um, the job that I was doing. Yeah. And I thought that's just going to make it slightly easier for me to obtain a training contract mm-hmm. rather than um, going out again and looking for a, another job as it's really difficult mm-hmm. and it's competitive as well. So I didn't want to let go of where I was. Yeah. Um, so I can continued and then once I finish my uh, law degree well, actually it was my LPC once I finished my LPC um, I started a full-time job as a paralegal mm-hmm. um, at the firm and then I did my police station accreditation once I completed the police station accreditation um, I signed my training contract and because I had been working at the firm um, mm-hmm. for I think about two years prior to that I've got six months knocked off oh, good. Um, so I only did an 18 month training contract okay and how did you find doing the training contract did you feel like there was added pressure to maybe keep it or was it it once you signed it it was yours and you were how was the pressure during that time the training contract um in itself because i was working with the firm and the work that i was doing it was quite similar to what i was doing during my training contract i didn't feel like i'm doing something new however the pressure was there um from your um director Mm. to ensure that you're working at a you're providing high quality service to the clients Mm -hmm. um because and luckily for me i got to um, got to work with um in employment uh, also did some uh, civil litigation mm-hmm. as well as uh, criminal law Yeah, uh, during my training contract. Okay, perfect. So we're going to be going on a break shortly. We've talked, covered quite a lot. Luckily, we've been able to um, get all of your perspectives on your uh, path to law. So I think we've briefly talked about um, your route, any added pressures. Um, we've also talked about supports from universities, about the LPC and the SQE. So um, after the break, we will be hopefully receiving a call from a barrister um, called Kiara Maddox. And she's going to also give her perspective on her journey to law um, and how she feels that uh, being a female in the legal profession. So please join us after the break. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Okay, we're back live on Ev at Inspire FM. Um, you are here with me, Esther Olasahinde of Liberty Law Solicitors. Um, I think this is, I'm going to say again, the first female presenter <laughs> um, at, for Ask Your Lawyer segment. Um, our topic of today is hurdles into law and a female's perspective on um, their career in law. So briefly before the break, we talked about all of our routes to law um, and how we uh, how we got into the profession, what we're doing now. Um, so we actually have Kiara Maddox. Um, she is a barrister, so she's going to give us her um, perspective, how far she is. So let's introduce Kiara. Hi, Kiara. Hi, Esther. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Good. Thank- Good. Congratulations on your uh, your show today. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you for um, being our guest. Thank you for coming on. No problem. So before the break, um, I asked all the ladies here about their route to law. So the first question I asked was, what made you get into law? So how was it for you getting into this profession? God, actually, it's so so long ago now. I have to really (laughs) think about it. Um, I had actually initially intended to go into international law. Okay. Um, It's what I focused on at university. Um, I'd had a a family friend who um, worked in international law, and it just 
sounded so exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started doing that at university. Okay. And I had some work experience um, with various law firms. Mm-hmm. And it came to the final year and it was time to decide whether I went down the LPC route mm-hmm. or the bar vocational course as it was then. Yeah. And um, I'd really enjoyed doing advocacy at university. Um, I didn't know any barristers. So um, it was a bit of a leap of faith, but it just seemed the right decision for me at the time to yeah. do the bar course. Okay. So. And you mentioned about work experience. Was that something that was easy for you to find? And do you feel like your gender had any role in you gaining your work experience? Um, it wasn't particularly easy to find. It mm. was um, a lot of applying. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I'm sure you've had some experience that these application forms take you weeks mm-hmm. to try and complete and fill in properly. <laughs> yes. So. Um, you know, it's it's not something that you can... I mean, the law is not really something you can go into lightly. Mm-hmm. I think what people really have to to think about is, you know, it's a full-time commitment. Yeah. And there's no point in going into it if you're going to do it half-heartedly mm-hmm. because the competition these days is just so extreme. But I think if you genuinely want it and you're prepared to put in all the work, yeah. there are avenues where you can explore and, and perhaps go down more alternative routes to mm-hmm. get your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I... I, I I wouldn't necessarily say that my gender played a huge role in getting work experience. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably an inherent gender bias in our profession, like in most professions. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, you know, talking about statistics at the moment at the bar, Mm -hmm. last year for the first time there were 50% of each uh, male and female people being called to the bar. So, I mean, that that was a huge milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you then look at the judiciary, you're looking at about 24% now being female. So, clearly, something's being lost along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess the question is, is it going to be an opportunity for us to catch up? Mm-hmm. You know, is it because it's, we've just now taken a long time to get equal representation at the, at the lower end? Yeah. Um, or whether actually inherent gender bias Mm-hmm. And stereotypical views about women in the profession mean that we're never going to get to a point where we have fifty mm-hmm. percent of women sat mm-hmm. sitting as judges. And how was? Because I know you said that um, obviously when you want to go into law, it's not something you should go into lightheartedly. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of students, or not even students, people that want to go into the profession, funding is a big issue. And we briefly talked about the um, SQE exam um, that's mm-hmm. going to be upcoming. I think they've pushed it back now to twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's much more cheaper than the LPC and the bar course. How was funding yeah. for you at, when you um, were going into it? Was it something that was more scarce than it is today or was it around the same? Well, when, when I did it, I think it was just under £15,000 okay. a year. And that was for the bar course? Uh, the, the bar course, okay. yeah. But what they, they still offered then, which I don't think they do now, are professional studies loans. Okay. Um, which were banks like HSBC or Barclays. Mm-hmm. And, and the percentage of interest was absolutely huge. So I took out £15,000 mm. and I paid back twenty over the course of five years. Oh, wow. So, you know, when I was at my most junior, I was having to find an extra £400 a month to pay off this loan that I'd taken out, mm-hmm. um, which at the time was just, you know, all of my spare income was going back to pay this loan that I'd taken out. Yeah. Um, Rather interestingly, and I don't know if this would have happened actually if I'd been a man, I um, mm. I went to my local bank to take the loan out. Okay. And the bank manager made my mum come in to oh. explain to me the significance of taking on this kind of loan. 
Um, he obviously didn't think that. I, I mean, I was 22 when I when I took the loan yeah. out, so I wasn't a child. You're capable of doing it yourself. Yeah, I finished university. I'd got a place on the bar course, mm-hmm. um, but I just I was mortified that he felt that he'd have to call in one of my parents to. To, to explain like the gravity yeah. of me taking on this financial um, burden, mm-hmm. and I do wonder in hindsight whether he would have ever have asked that um, if I had been male. Yeah. So moving on from that, now that you are obviously qualified, and how long have you been in qualified barrister form practicing? So I did my pupillage in two thousand and eleven, qualified the following year in two thousand and twelve. Okay. So quite quite a long time. (laughs) And have you felt like you faced that kind of, I would say, blatantly discrimination um, working now um, in your profession? Even not Um, even just in the profession, but outside, because obviously he was just a banker, but he still found his way to, you know, say those comments to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I mean, overt sexism now Mm -hmm. is so unacceptable that I I just don't think it really rears its head so much especially not in my working relationships Mm -hmm. but um you know talking about stereotypes and um and there being this this inbuilt bias that i think is going to take generations to get rid of Mm -hmm. um a complaint that a lot of females at the bar have is that you know either their solicitors or their clerks very much want to push them into areas like family law yeah which is seen as typically female areas of law um, for criminal barristers, you find that, um, you, you know, you, you end up, after a certain period of time, you're getting a lot of sexual offence work. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, it's because people have this misguided belief that women will be more palatable for a jury if yeah. they're representing men on, on you know, or people on, on sexual offences. So you do find that there are small things like this mm-hmm. that I don't think anyone's doing it on purpose. It's not that... Yeah. Um, you know, or, or maybe not even that they realise that they're doing it, but mm-hmm. you do find yourself pigeon-told slightly, yes. I think. Okay, and before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you, what is your, um, maybe a bit of advice for anyone that is, go- especially as a female entering into this profession, what kind of advice would you give them from your perspective? Um, well, I was listening to all of you talk, actually, before the break, mm-hmm. and it seems that you've all taken quite um, individual routes into the law. Yes. But what struck me with all of your stories was that you was, it was a perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, so, so perhaps maybe it's not necessarily um, getting the best grades at A-levels or um, even necessarily getting the best grades at university, but it's, it's just having a real determination mm-hmm. and showing that you're dedicated to the prof- profession. I think that's really important. Um, So, you know, doing that by way of getting relevant work experience, Mm -hmm. um, joining, if if you're interested in the bar or advocacy as as solicitor advocate, then, you know, do your advocacy training courses, do mooting, which is mock trials at university level, Mm -hmm. Um, get involved in anything which gives you um, experience of of talking in public, so Mm -hmm. debating if your university offers that, um, you know, and, and really just everything that can... Do everything you possibly can that will set you apart. If it, even if it's you know getting involved in um, community legal centres or yeah. volunteering for things like Liberty, mm-hmm. just um, you, what you really want to do is just impress upon the person who's going to be interviewing you yeah. how dedicated you are to a career at the law, mm-hmm. and try and make yourself stand out that way. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kara, for your input and um, calling in today. It's been very insightful, and I hopefully you have a lovely evening. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Perfect. So that was uh, Kiara Maddox. She is a barrister and you've obviously now heard her intake on um, her route to um, becoming a barrister or just being a female in the legal profession. Um, and I think one thing that she also added was what we've all been saying, experience is key um, and perseverance is key because it's regardless of gender, it's not an easy um profession to enter into so um moving on laura you were saying before the break about becoming a police station rep so you've not done your lpc but it is a course that you're able to do so how did you become aware of this accreditation how was the route for you um and what's happening with it now well, as I said earlier, my brother's a solicitor and once he found out that I wasn't going to do my LPC and that I was looking, well, LPC straight away until mm-hmm. I found funding, yeah. um, he he advised me of this route that I can go to the police station and I can still represent clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was interested in doing that before I started working at Liberty and then when I started working at Libby, it was something that TEAC also wanted mm-hmm. me to do. Mm-hmm. So I had to do what's called a preliminary exam Okay. and that was just basic uh, pace, stuff on pace and stuff like that. Like that okay um and then after that you have to do a portfolio and mm-hmm. then you do a cit test okay which is like an oral exam which is an example of you being in the police station okay which was where i was today <laughs> okay then so you're in there today so how does that work um with the rota i mean i'm sure there are many police station reps in and out of luton how do you get the opportunity to now go in to see a client at the police station or potential client well with our firm we've got a rota so one of us will do it one day and one of us will do it another Mm -hmm. um it is 24 hours i mean saturday night i was at the police station at about 10 Mm o'clock and how does that feel being i mean obviously you signed up to it so you know that you're going to get calls at whatever hour how Mm. is that been for you especially because i think you're quite newly qualified yeah how was that for you well it is a bit daunting going out late at night as Mm. a female especially when you pull up to say luton police station (laughs) in the dark and you're just like oh you're looking around Mm -hmm. but as long as you call the officer before you go you're 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 not likely i feel fine i don't feel that nervous okay i'll come back to you about your experiences but i just want to pass to juma how was it for you doing the police station accreditation course was it something simple something that was offered by your employer or something you definitely went in there saying this is what i want to do yeah, with the police station accreditation at the time, it, um, we needed um, poli- police station accredited um, reps for okay. our firm. Mm-hmm. So um, I worked at Liberty Law as well, and I did my training contract there. Okay. Um, so I completed that. However, it w- it's not as easy as a lot of people would think it is. Mm-hmm. You have to. I didn't have to do the extra exam that Laura did because I had Thank completed my LPC. Okay. Um, so I was exempt from that. However, um, I did my part. A portfolio is where you do um, four cases at the police station so you'll get supervised on two cases Mm -hmm. and you'll watch your supervisor um, doing two cases and you'll uh, write up a portfolio mm-hmm. which is part A and once you've completed that you have to complete that within three months as well so if you don't complete it within three months and submit your portfolio within three months you have to start that again oh, wow. once you've submitted that your work doesn't get marked at the time you're just provided mm-hmm. with a pin to say you can move on to part B okay. part B is um, done in two parts so one is the CIT so it's a critical incident test that Laura was referring to mm-hmm. as well as as doing five cases mm-hmm. um, at the police station where you have to go um, on your own and then you have to type up a portfolio on every single case. Mm-hmm. Um, the body that we're registered with um, to do the uh, exam is not 
easy, especially on private bodies. They can fail you mm, on oh, anything wow. minor. Although the pass rate is 50%, it's not easy to gain that 50%. And I see a lot of people fail um, either the portfolio part or the CIT part. Mm-hmm. For me, I did the CIT did the CIT the first time so I failed it the first time and I did it the second time and I passed mm-hmm. um, on my portfolio however um, like one of my colleagues he submitted quite a similar portfolio I think mm. it depends on who is marking your portfolio mm. whereas I was picked up on small details um, whereas the same thing was passed on another um, person's yeah. portfolio so um, the portfolio I submitted it about three times so it's not um a cheap course to do mm-hmm. okay. and once I was um, once I completed the accreditation it, I've went to police station con- continuously to um, ensure that I gain as much experience at the police station as well because you come across different cases different scenarios at the police station which you need to know how to handle as well mm-hmm. okay um, and just going back to Laura, how has um, your experience been now that you've been going? Do you feel like you had any discrimination from maybe even police officers or clients? Well, I have been discriminated against as being a woman at the police station. I attended Hatfield Police Station to represent a young client. Mm-hmm. And upon entering custody, he started swearing at me and wow. was like, who are you? I don't want no woman to represent me. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone in custody from the police officers were disgusted. Yeah, They were all just staring at me. I was just like, well, I'm here to represent you. Mm-hmm. Um and he was like, I don't want no woman. And then his, his appropriate adult, his sister, was standing there. She looked mortified. Mm-hmm. I looked mortified. And I, I subsequently left yeah. and rang one of my male colleagues and said, would you like to represent him? And they said, yeah, but it'll be an hour. So, And then I asked them what the disclosure was and I asked them what advice they gave. And I would have given him the same advice. Mm-hmm. So he just had to wait there for an extra hour for no reason. <laughs> but that is something that... Um I wouldn't say I've experienced personally, but even mm. speaking to some barristers, you know, fully qualified, taking the same exams as their male counterparts and their peers, but at the same time, some clients um, just prefer a uh, a man to take that on. I mean, even I was at the Old Bailey, I think about two weeks ago, and it just kind of really opened my eyes to see that it really is a male-dominated uh, field. I think mm. um, there was about maybe 10 barristers which were male and the only prosecutor and the only female was the lead prosecutor so it really does show that um it's a male dominated field and i think Mm. that females that want to enter the profession they should just just go for it because there are a lot of us in undergrad um but i'm not sure where i won't say where we're going wrong but why it's not continued to be um pursued so Juma, regarding your experience as a police station rep, have you had any of those sort of um, instances? I haven't um, had someone saying it to me directly that they don't want a female representing them. However, I do feel like when I've attended the police station, um, I've been judged um, because mm. I'm a female and I'm a young female as mm. well. Mm-hmm. So when they look at someone young, they they automatically assume you don't have you much know knowledge doing. of the law yeah. or you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had... Um, a couple a few times i would say um i've had to deal with um clients that 
they'll ask a lot more questions mm. to I think um, test you to see mm. if you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. I mean one of my clients I represented uh, went to represent him at the police station he was a big lad okay. so when he saw me go to represent him he thought <laughs> oh my god who's this come to represent me and yeah. he actually said this to me oh, wow. after he, he said this to me after the police station mm-hmm. um, I met him outside but mm-hmm. he was really happy with the outcome because he went into the police station on police station on a voluntary attendance mm-hmm. um, for I believe it was an assault matter he had a fight outside and then um, prior to the interview he was really scared of what's going to happen in the interview and he yeah. thought I don't know what I'm doing okay. and then he came out of the interview and a couple of we I think it was actually a few days later they had dropped all the charges that oh, wow. um, they were going to bring against him so mm-hmm. then he himself went speaking um, to a lot of other members um, of the community saying yeah I initially thought that oh she doesn't know what, what she's, she's doing, doing. Yeah. Um, but I'm really happy with it so um, and he told me this himself mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. and then a few other times I have had um, clients and most of and most of the time these have been male clients that mm. are uh, defendants at the police station that have judged me as opposed mm. to going mm. and representing um, a female defendant at the police station. Mm. Um, the other times it's just been a lot more questions yeah. as mm. opposed to um, saying they don't want you to represent you mm-hmm. just to, I think, test whether you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily on most of my clients, whilst when I was doing police station work at Liberty, mm-hmm. um, I had a, a good rate of getting no further actions on yeah. my cases and mm-hmm. that only comes as a result of Doing good work at yeah. the police station, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's been my my experience with the clients. But it hasn't been. I mean, you just do your job and try and do your best yeah. for your client, despite how they look at you experience. or what they yeah, yeah what they believe. Because if they look at me and they think I don't have experience, it doesn't necessarily mean I don't have experience. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm my, yeah <laughs> my supervisor wouldn't have sent me yeah. out on a police station yeah. um, if you knew if you thought I'm not capable of doing that because it puts the reputation of the firm down as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's okay. my experience at the police station. Okay, um, and just I uh, want to say one more thing. When you do have these, I wouldn't say acts of discrimination. Yeah, acts mm. of discrimination because mm. that, that mm-hmm. it is what well, it I is. Was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, how do you do? You feel like you have to? I mean, how has that affected you the next time? Do you feel like you've had to change who you are or kind of um, present yourself in a better way, or are you just going to continue of the way? You I'm know, just going to continue as the way I am. Yeah. I mean. Why should I change for mm-hmm. the male, what for men think? Mm-hmm. Like, it might have just been because he was a young lad and yeah. he was just kicking off, yeah. but I would never, I'd never change how I am just mm-hmm. to fit into a male world. Mm-hmm. And you find that, I mean, because me and Laura, we work together um, at the mm. same firm, um, and we find that a lot of people call in and they ask for the receptionist, <laughs> um, and, they, and they are referring to Laura, but she is actually been in the profession you know longer than me um but they always ask for the receptionist which is either me or laura and i um, we can infer that it's due to us being um females because we've never had uh, yeah the boys are never referred to, to as, as the receptionist <laughs> it's just, just us it's just us so it, i think there is and i know it's not malicious obviously laura the time you were at the police station that mm. was malicious and it was quite outright discrimination mm. but i think a lot of the time um like kiara said it's just something that's like an unco- unconscious bias mm-hmm. um, and i think it will take quite um a while for us to um overcome that but we're all here and we're all in the legal profession and we're doing quite well um so i just wanted to go back to um tyra you said that um before coming to liberty do you have any work experience or 
I did gain some work experience. I gained about six weeks worth of work experience mm-hmm. with TUI, travel company, uh, working in their legal department, okay. dealing with personal injury and illness claims. Mm-hmm. But after leaving um, that, I went back and completed my final year of university. And after graduating, I actually found it quite difficult mm-hmm. to gain work experience. Mm-hmm. I had been applying for about nine months or so before I got lucky enough Mm -hmm. to um, get a place to do work experience at Liberty Law Solicitors Mm -hmm. and that happened by chance thank you (laughs) Mariam for that (laughs) Um, but yeah so I've been very fortunate to gain work experience with Mm -hmm. Liberty Law um, and through gaining this work experience as well I've been able to network with a lot of people who I otherwise wouldn't have ever got the opportunity to meet Mm -hmm. because um, when I had been applying obviously and on paper and stuff I just wasn't hearing back so um, the doors have now been open for me Mm -hmm. and um, for that I'm very grateful Oh, and um, yeah, I've, I've had uh, such a good experience mm-hmm. so far. I've been to three different courts now, been watching a few trials, yeah. all really exciting, mm-hmm. talking to QCs, barristers, other solicitors. So it's all been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think once you have your foot in the door, it's mm. so much easier. I mean, when I got my first experience, that was literally like the catalyst to why I'm here. I met up with a trainee solicitor and he said, you know what, this was my route. Why don't you go and do, um, what's the word again? Citizen's advice. Mm. So from that advice, um, I went to do that. And funny enough, we ended up being at the same centre, Citizen's Advice Centre, to the same uni, same teachers, same, <laughs> same sixth form. So that was a bit weird. We had the same route. And through that, I was able, to um, get the experience that I needed and then once I was able to um, get my first job it just kind of went rolling from there and once your foot's in the door um, it's so much easier so I think just keep pursuing um, networking events is very important um, you can go on just type in um, local networking events in your search engine or go on the Law Gazette, the Law Society, um, and you'll surely find um, local events. Um, so we've just had some information come in um, regarding um, scholarships and funding for the bar. So I thought I'd just give that to you before we wrap up shortly. Um, scholarships and funding can for the bar course is available from Inns Court through Gray's Inn, um, Middle Temple and Inner Temple. Um, and students from low-income families can actually try the Kalisha Trust. So that's www.thekalishatrust, Kalisha is spelled K-A-L-I-S-H-E-R, trust.org, and you can get more information from that. So I thought I'd just put that in there because I know we gave quite a lot of information regarding the bar, but nothing about funding was mainly towards the um the uh, solicitor's route um so before we wrap up i just want to ask you guys what is your um maybe a bit of advice because i asked kiara but i didn't ask any of you guys your advice in um entering the profession especially as a female so i'll start with uh tyra since you're quite new (laughs) um i think perseverance is definitely key Mm -hmm. don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't be here and that you can't be here Mm -hmm. I know that obviously um, it's very competitive so grades do matter but Mm -hmm. don't feel like if you didn't achieve the grades that you wanted to get that all doors have been closed for you because Mm -hmm. there is still a chance that you can progress and you know uh, go go far in a career in law and I would say um, you need to sell yourself almost a Mm -hmm. bit so 
in terms of finding work experience, I think a lot of people feel quite entitled and, and assume that just because they're working for free, firms should offer them work experience. Mm -hmm. But what they fail to realise is that hundreds of hundreds, other students or hundreds. other people are yes. applying for work experience too. Yeah. So it's not about what the firm can do for you. You should start off with what you can offer the firm. Mm -hmm. And you, you need to show them what value you can bring to them. Mm -hmm. Really sell yourself. And if you're confident in yourself and you believe in yourself, then others will believe in you too. Yeah. And then, you know, just things will progress from there, hopefully. I agree. And shortly, Juma? Yeah, I realise like a lot of people that come to do work experience, they haven't got their... Um, they're not determined to work mm. hard. Exactly. So if you've mm. got your foot in the door, work mm. hard and you will be employable. If you don't work hard, then you're just, mm -hmm. it's someone else's opportunity. They could have had the opportunity th yeah. that you've taken. And yeah. I don't think that's quite fair um, yeah. on a lot of people out there that are working mm -hmm. hard to get into the legal field. Yeah, and just to add to that, work yeah. hard when it, you do it, get into yeah. it shows. And when you get in, you need to, yeah, when you get in, you need to continue working hard, otherwise um, you're not going to last very long as it's too competitive. Yeah, okay, I think that's all we have time for. for thank you for listening for us today and thank you for our guests. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream? at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at inspirefmluton.